the way we started the podcast was we have a, we sell to a lot of jewelers and they don't their staff doesn't know much about colored gemstones mm-hmm. and so we had uh, someone say listen there's no podcasts on gemstones you guys should just go downstairs in the basement and like talk into a microphone and tell us what you know about gemstones and people will listen and we then said they will. and we said are you sure <laughs> And so then it kind of morphed into this thing, and we haven't even been doing it a year yet, but it's... What was it? March? March of... Yeah, it was after the shows last year. I believe you guys are the best one out there. I think y'all are killing it. a very special guest with us today. William Travis Kukovich. And he is a super cool designer and we get to hear all about his life story and share it with him. I mean... Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on uh, on Gym Junkie. <laughs> I mean, I laugh because I'm like, is it an honor? But yeah, it is. <laughs> I thought you were laughing because I got it wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> it is Gym Junkie, right? I mean, uh, this is Gym Junkie. No, thank you, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, you want to see the scars from it? I mean, can you see this? How bad they still are to this day? Yeah. So this entire part of my brain was uh, completely smashed in. All of this was caved in and then brought up and rebuilt. And because I was so young, they stapled the bone together and it grew back together. Uh, But these are. And of course, when I had more hair, you could, couldn't see them as, as open. Uh huh. But you know, unlike this. So you were four years old. Four years old. What happened? Uh, I was riding in the back of a truck, a okay. pickup truck. Yep. Um, uh, going down the road, and um, there's a whole story about how I fell out. But I fell out. Yeah. Going about sixty-five miles an hour uh, on a paved road. Oh, jeez, uh, that gave me the chills. Yeah. Oh. It was bad. I yeah. scarred up badly but um and they all thought i would die yeah for sure yeah and uh you know the family all came in but i didn't die and when i came out of it uh i was in a coma for a long time you know my brain was was it yeah and it rewired and uh they actually i believe if it wasn't for my mother they wouldn't have tried so hard to keep me alive i think that it was a pull the plug situation Uh and my mother said no. No, for a short, for a couple of days there. And uh, and then I started doing better, you yeah. know, right away. Yeah. And, uh, you know, who knows why you, you do better. Uh, obviously, I don't remember much. Of it. I remember the entire truck episode. I remember what I was doing, where I was sitting. And you were four. I was four. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, it I mean, was... It, uh, a traumatic episode. There were things that were happening there in my life. We had just gone to the uh, to the trash dump. I had found an old t- television and taken these TV tubes out of it. Do you know what those uh-huh. are? Yeah, yeah. And I thought they were super cool, and because yeah. they were like these little glass things with like a city inside of them. Uh huh. And uh, and I had just seen a conductor on television for the first time the night before, and uh, so I turned a number nine wash tub upside down like the conductor stood on and I pushed it up against the cab of the truck and I stood there uh, and took two sticks and I conducted my brother as he sang like a rhinestone cowboy (laughs) up against the back of the truck. 
you know, I, I fell right out the back. And uh, my mom said she looked in the rearview mirror when Troy started screaming, and I looked like, you know, a rag doll, just you know, like I was doing oh. tumbling. He- tumbling head over feet without my ha- my hands. Oh my gosh! And uh, luckily, our neighbors were coming down the, the same road, and they snatched me up while my mother was in shock and threw me in. Of course, the yeah. car and drove me straight to the hospital. Who knows why I didn't die, but. Uh, like I said, for sure, uh, I know all those doctors because they, yeah. you know, I mean, small town America, to this day, still can't believe that, that I survived that. Yeah. And but, what uh, you can do now. I mean, and, and what you've, I mean, you, you said your brain rewired itself. That's exactly what happened. So yeah. I was, uh, my mother had started teaching me my ABCs and one, two, th- you know, I was learning to count and learning just to do my ABCs. And when I was in the hospital... Um, she would bring things in for me to play with. And, you know, I'm a kid, right? So trying to give me things. And I could no longer do that. I could no longer write uh, my ABCs, which I could do well before that. Uh huh. But I could sculpt anything out of Play-Doh. She'd put Play-Doh in front of me. And I could just go, boom. Like wow. that. So somehow my br- brain rewired itself. And to this day, I can sculpt anything. Yeah. I went out in the snow six weeks ago. We had a big snow. I asked my daughter what she would like me to make. So she said a unicorn. So I did a unicorn in about 30 minutes. My wife took a picture of it. You'll have to send us a picture so we can show uh, everybody the unicorn. Oh, my gosh. You do that in 30 minutes? About 30 minutes. Yeah. And that's big. That's about. about We don't want to show you our snowman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. no That is incredible. 30 minutes no no pictures no nothing yeah i can i can see everything my photographic memory is truly photographic yeah i can see everything i i i uh, i don't write i draw words so the brain injury in a way and i can't write very much a little bit it took me what an what an amazing talent that developed from this tragic instance and and the fact that your family was in metalsmithing before yes so you're fifth generation i'm a fifth generation metalsmith how did your family william kukovich the sixth Uh uh-huh and uh, my family immigrated here in 1942 from uh poland russia area 42 43 ish Uh uh-huh um first born in america yeah. Uh, so he so. brought the talent from Poland. They did. They brought nothing but some hammers and some photographs. I have all of those. I How have amazing. A, yeah, I have a Damascus steel hammerhead that my great, great, great grandfather made for himself. Wow. And uh, I started metal smithing when I was about 12. And uh, by the time I was 16, I was really good at it. Yeah. Is and I'm it not some- trying to... No. I'm not good at any. I'm not good at almost anything else. But <laughs> no, I'm but you really can say good you're good at, at this because you are. Yes. At so, it was your family? Did your family have a jewelry store? No. Did you know? They uh, they they did uh, you know back in in Europe. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But in and those times, you have to remember, being a metalsmith, being a jeweler, didn't mean that you made rings all the time. You made candelabras. Exactly. You made yeah. Wall sconces. Yeah. You did anything. You know, 
anything in metal. You made yeah. swords. You you yes. were fixing everything. They made guns, you know, yeah. back in, in, wow. in these times when guns yeah. were all handmade, you know, before yeah. they were they were manufacturing these. So they were doing a little bit of everything. And when they moved here, the, the war was ending and uh, there was no work. The economy was not, you know, there wasn't a lot of, you know, there wasn't a lot right. of this going on. So no one had they, extra money. Everything that's was put into the war effort. Yeah, absolutely. So they moved to Kansas, southeast Kansas, where there's one of the few coal sources, uh, anthracite uh, mm-hmm. coal, which is the black stuff, like almost like jet. And then there's lignite, which is what we burn in most places, which is more of a gray slate that they grind up and blow into a furnace. And it, uh-huh. But to get this anthracite out is is much more difficult, and it's more of a vein type thing. Okay. So uh, they they hand forged. They were there as metalsmiths. They didn't go into the coal mines. They were there as metalsmiths, building small tools, fixing things, doing anything like like that, building the anything metalsmithing related to this. And everything was small because it had to be small because these guys were going in small holes and uh-huh. and uh, even hand forging drill bits and you know all sorts of things like that. In wow. The back then. So take us through your story where you have your brain injury at the age of four. You start metalsmithing. Mm-hmm. At 16. You're really good by the age of 16. Mm-hmm. Where from there? From, uh, from, from there, uh, I started uh, apprenticing for a little jewelry store uh, in southeast Kansas, uh, Lavery's Jewelers. And uh, I did a little bit there, but it, I was far above you know, they were, uh, well, Stellar didn't exist then, but they were kind of a yeah. buy a parts and pieces put together, not real custom like uh-huh. we do now. Uh, I went to Texas Institute of Jewelry Technology in Paris, Texas. Okay. And uh, in my first, I still talk to those guys. They're up there right now. And uh, Ula Raus was my professor, and she was a strict German lady, you know. Yep. And uh, uh, she, uh, in my first semester, my, when I first got there, um, they pulled me out of class and we had a long meeting about whether they should just push me through because uh-huh. I was, yeah, uh, I'd been doing this so long and it's all I could do. Yeah. Uh, so uh, again, I don't want that to sound, I don't want that to come across yeah. in this way, you, but it was had, a talent. A born talent that they, well, I mean, you it, can see the pictures of my work and yeah, it's all, you know, I mean, yeah, we, I can exactly. do, I could do this. Yeah. So, and I can't do much else. I, I'll yeah. just. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep saying that <laughs> when we talk about no, you're, and your work is exceptional. It's gorgeous. And Thank so you. after after school, mm-hmm. did you go and open up your own store well, immediately, uh, or like all immigrants, they want their uh, children to do something other than they did? Yeah. So um, you know, I like to say that every day I'm not a doctor. I'm disappointing my mother. Uh huh. Um, but oh, I have the same thing with my <laughs> grandma. Um, I was go. I was to go to school to become a doctor or a lawyer. Mm-hmm. In fact, she named my dad Michael Don Pincock. <laughs> MD Pincock, but she was giving him like all these like subliminal messages to be a doctor. I get it. I totally That's get hilarious. it. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not a doctor grandma and I am so sorry. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So you're not a doctor. So I, I so then I, uh, I got my four year degree from Stephen F. Austin university uh-huh. and my, at that time I had become a uh, gemologist. So my, Gemology degree went right along with geology uh-huh. and Stephen F. Austin. So I kind of just picked the easiest thing to get a four-year degree in because I truly felt like it was a waste of time. Yeah. But my family because made, you knew what made, you loved to yeah. do. 
I, I love it as a hobby, but I exactly. you know, it's never done anything yeah. for, you know, I do this for a living. Yeah. So, uh, and after that, I, um, you know, I, I worked for a small jewelry store and they were very kind and, uh, took me in one day and said, you know, you're just too talented for this place. Uh, in Nacogdoches, Texas, you, you need to, we, we're going to help you find a place for you. How amazing. And, uh, so they helped me find a place, uh, there was in Durham, North Carolina, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, which is the research triangle. There was a woman there who, uh, was very interested in jewelry. She had inherited a lot of money. She wanted to start a real metal smithing shop and yeah. there really weren't that many people out there and there still aren't. There's no, less no, now no, than no. there was yeah, then, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. that could come in and do that. And mm-hmm. she gave me that opportunity at 20. She hired me when I was 20 years old and, uh, I'll never forget because I fibbed at the, at the interview and said I was 21. Because I thought that would make me. I thought that would make. I was a few months from being twenty. But you know, I thought legal drinking age will make me seem much more mature. Much more mature. Yeah, you can go out for a beverage. (laughs) So uh, she hired me, brought me in, uh, and I built a a large shop for her. Hired seven metalsmiths, taught them, you know, pretty much everything I knew. Yeah. Um, I was a terrible manager back then because I was a kid. Yeah. So no one wants a twenty-one-year-old kid bossing you what to do when you're 50 yeah and uh but there's not much they could do about it but i learned how to manage at a young age yeah and then when i was 26 i started i had this lump in my chest uh that was really hurting you know didn't know what it was thought it would go away uh but uh i was you know durham is the city of medicine i went to the doctor they i said you know i got this lump in my chest you know one here and I've got like a couple of little small ones here. And uh, he said, oh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you to it. We're not going to freak out about this, but we're going to send you to a specialist. Yeah. And uh, at Duke University, they sent me in and he looked at He said, yeah, we're going to set you up for they did a biopsy. They brought about it back that day. He said, we're going to set you up for surgery on Monday. I said, surgery on Monday for what? Yeah. He said, breast cancer. So I had breast cancer when I was 26 years old. 26. 26, yeah. And so I went in, um, which was also happens to be the year I won my first Spectrum Award, one of yeah. 17 that I have. Yeah. Uh, and uh, took me in, removed it from both chests. Chemo and radiation and no all chemo, that? No uh, chemo, no radiation. That was, uh, they believed they got it all. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I could op- I could have opted for chemo. Uh, my dad did, and he went through chemo, uh-huh. but they didn't. It was an option. It was. Yeah, they weren't. It wasn't a necessity. It wasn't because yeah. I was so. With men, they get it. They find it earlier. They get it earlier. You don't have all the glands in yeah. the breast that women do. Yeah. For, so the, less yes, um, but I never spoke about it. I didn't tell my mother or father, or anyone in my family, to, for ten years. I did that all by myself and never told a single family member about it. And I don't know why. I don't have an answer. They didn't know you went in for surgery? They didn't know. No one knew. I did it all, all on my own. That's incredible. No one in my family knew. Wow. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I've told this story before, this portion of this on, on NPR. I, to this day, get five to six emails uh, from cancer survivors saying, I loved you talking about this because I've never spoken about it either. 
And I don't know why either, because yeah. I don't have an answer for you why I didn't do that. Yeah. I went in for an interview in my hometown, kind of a hometown boy makes good interview. Yeah. And the woman, when I sat down with her at a little a cafe, she had a do rag on and no eyebrows. And I, you know, you could I, tell. Yeah. yeah. And I said, what's going on? And she said, breast cancer. And I just opened, opened up. up and told her my whole story. She wrote about it. Did not turn into a hometown boy made good. It turned into a hometown boy, boy gets breast cancer at 20. You know, 20 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not what you were expecting, yeah. And uh, my mother got the Morning Sun newspaper the next day. And I was in town visiting my family. And I drove to her house. And I walked in the door. And uh, she smacked me. Yeah. Still gets to me uh, this day. So angry about it, but anyway. Dude, I cried in my interview too. Yeah. So you're, and she cried in her her <laughs> job interview. Job so, so. Oh my god! Did you you got the job? She got the job. Yeah. She, so. she cried in her interview. She's like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't even remember. The class I think it was like. Um, I don't, I don't even. It was. It was. It was like, no. Where was it? Where do you see yourself in five years, or or why do you want this position? Yeah. I think it's like, why do you want this position, or something like that? But well, that one always so, gets me. Yeah. Because yeah, my mother was so hurt I, and angry. No, I. Uh, I. You didn't let her be there for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was just but I, app. She would. That's what family's for: is to be there for yeah. you. But I can see, I can also see where you're coming from as you wanted to protect them from it. Mm -hmm. Because they'd already gone through so much, I think, with what happened to you in the past. And and that it was maybe kind of your way of protecting them from another heartache that they would have to go through. So, I mean, I can can see it and I I understand it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. from an outsider looking in, it it makes sense from both both Mm -hmm. standpoints. You understand why your mother was very upset, but you can also understand why... You know, you've been through so many medical things for so long that it's like, I don't want to put my parents through one more. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people don't talk about cancer. That's what that's what I found out yeah. after that interview. Yeah. Uh, all these people write to me and say, this same thing happened to me. Or it happened to someone I know, and they didn't tell us until the very end, right before they died. Or this. And yeah. a lot of people, it, 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 is, it is not unique to me. Yeah. No. It, 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 it it is unique that I spoke about this, mm-hmm. uh, but it but it is not unique to me. Is what we found out. Uh, I get yeah. more people wrote in about that than anything. That's crazy. And, uh, I do a I do a, a line of uh, of of rings, just warrior rings like oh, these. I love those. And I do pink pink sapphires yeah. instead of the diamonds. Yeah. Uh, but I do these yeah. for cancer survivors because I always hated that stupid ribbon. Ribbon. A ribbon is not a warrior's uh, no, uh, weapon. It is and not. Anybody who's gone through cancer knows that that is a warrior's game. Yeah. That is not a light. That is not a pink ribbon. You are a survivor. It's ridiculous. Yes. And it drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. I get, you know? I, yeah. I just, yeah. Exactly. I, 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 I'm sorry, but no, why no, no. do that? I get it. And when I worked retail and it was, you know, oh, we have this for breast cancer, you know, a little pink ribbony uh, thing. And they were like, uh, and so we would do, we would. Uh, what else can we What else can we do? And so we do a lot yeah. of pink sapphire rings mm-hmm. or something like that, that they could they could have as their, I conquered this because that's what yeah, it is. You're conquering, conquering something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and it's best to get them 
when you're going through it, uh, it, it, it's, it, it is what jewelry is about. We attach emotions to this. Absolutely. That's what it is. And Absolutely. the engagement ring is the best example of that. Everyone's engagement ring is different, but everyone, it's the same thing is attached to every one of those. It's marriage. It's a commitment that you're yeah. making to one another. And so they don't need to look like a certain thing. That, and everything I make, I try to, for someone, I really try to attach that what whatever this occasion is for them and it almost always is an occasion for them right. i want to attach that uh uh to the jewelry yeah and 91 percent of our gross sales are, are custom out of mm-hmm. my store that's a huge number for for huge. custom jewelry yeah. it is and the reason is is it i think we could sell more out of the cases but i just can't seem to let that happen every time someone tells me what that occasion is yeah. i just want to make them something yeah. that means something well, right or that and, reminds them and as a as a metalsmith and a maker you you're part of their story now yeah. you've told their story through your jewelry through your art yeah and it it's uh now I'm gonna cry. Yeah. <laughs> like, Let's all cry. Let's all But I mean, but that's what it is, and and getting to help people tell their story, and the, and the and it's gonna live forever. Mm-hmm. Their their love, their commitment, it's gonna live forever. And it will it will live forever. Yeah. I work on pieces of jewelry that my yeah. great 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 grandfather made. Yeah, I work on things that go that long. That's why. Um, we were talking earlier uh, about uh, uh, what I what I, what am I purchasing here? Mainly corundum. Yeah. Mainly corundum. Sapphire. Why do I buy corundum? Comes in every every color of the rainbow. First of all, but it lasts forever, and my jewelry lasts forever. We don't. When you're doing custom work, you don't care about gold. What I mean, what's it going to cost? Fifty bucks more or yeah. something like that? Yes, it's exactly. So you make it heavy, you make it right, you make yes. it last for forever. Yeah. And uh, and corundum will last that way, but a tanzanite won't. Exactly. Right, and so yeah. uh, I don't like to sell anything that won't uh, that won't last for forever. I want to leave more than a coffee table book. Yeah, uh, you know, I want yeah. to leave a, a legacy. A legacy, and something. you do that. Yeah. You do that with each each person you interact. Any person that owns a piece of your jewelry, you know, has it, also I feel like a part of your your soul almost to an extent because you put the effort and the energy behind creating that piece specifically for them. Yeah. It, it's all I have. Yeah. I, I, as I said earlier, I, I, there's not much else I can do. You know, I can't read my kids bedtime stories. Yeah. You, you want to cry. Yeah. You know, yeah. that'll do it to you. Yeah. Uh, Cause I just can't read that well. Yeah. My eight year old reads better than I do. Yeah. And spells better than I do. There are things I can't do in this world, but I can, you can make can a make beautiful a, piece I can of make jewelry. A, uh, a, yeah. You, uh, uh, a unicorn. That unicorn got picked up by the 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 local school uh, uh, principal. Called me and said, "Oh, can we put this on our on our website for the snow day?" Yeah. You know, I had a picture of Veda in it, my daughter, and I said, "Sure." She said, "Can you take one without Veda in it, just because?" Of course. Yeah. And that's why, yep. and, uh, uh, and that's why you, you don't realize the size, but it's this big. Uh, you know. Yeah. And uh, so she put it on there, and then on Facebook, and then my wife put it on Facebook. She. They, they put it on the school thing. Then our local, a local news channel picked it up from there. <laughs> and then it was, uh, and then it was on, uh, Jimmy, the late show, Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon. 
Oh my gosh! Uh, I S- it, it, it was that same station. It was a, the affiliate. Yeah. So it was on that. Well, can you imagine? Out of all the snow we've had and all the snow sculptures, yeah. Well, that no one, one has made a unicorn insane. but me. That was no, well, pretty I amazing. A I, I have no, no, because no one can do you, it. How popular are unicorns this year? Yeah. You know, this year exactly. they're everywhere, but no one made a unicorn. Exactly. My daughter's like, make a unicorn, and my kids just don't. They they have me do this all the time. My daughter will hand me clay, anything, and tell me to make something, and I do it. And they act like it's nothing. They're like, thanks, Dad. Blah, blah, walk yeah. over. I, I made her that. I was like, oh, I made it. Come on, you want to get a picture? No, I'm uh, busy. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, you know. Jeez, uh, yeah. They, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't even... They, they, they don't get it. Uh, they will one day. They, they will. They, they, they yeah. will. Yeah, for sure. So... so we were talking at 26, you get cancer. Mm-hmm. Happens to be the same year you win your first Spectrum Award. And those go hand in hand. Yeah. That was, uh, I was, uh, I was blessed with, with cancer at a young age. The blessing is the age I got it at, not the cancer. Yeah. Surviving it was the blessing, but the age. I, I, everyone knows you're going to, that they're going to die. We yeah. all know it. But it's one of those things that you don't really, think about like you don't know in your 20s you don't know you feel immortal like there's the cliche of of live to live like you are dying happens after you almost die yeah and i've almost died several times yeah (laughs) and uh and after cancer i at 26 i have lived like i could die at any moment and it changed my life i've done everything i completely different my everything in my life changed after that I did whatever I wanted. As long as mm-hmm. I'm not hurting anybody, I do whatever I want to do. You express yeah. yourself without yeah. regard. That's, I mean, for what could you, you don't hold yourself back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the bless. And the reason it is the blessing is the age at 75. You will, you will do the same thing, but you have a much shorter time period to do it. To do in. it. Yeah. So yeah, because my grandma gets away with saying things that she would have never said like 20 years mm-hmm. ago. You're like, oh, grandma. And she'll just say whatever the heck she wants to say because she doesn't care. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I became more open. I became more. I was not this gregarious. I speak my mind more. Yeah. I would ask any girl out. There was no girl that was. You know, no. They just told me, no, I just move on to another way. Yeah. Know, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Well, how about uh, is this your sister? I love <laughs> That's great. So, um, what inspired that first winner? What what uh, was it made before or after the I cancer never, diagnosis? Or? I, I, it was the first time I I um, called myself a designer. Mm-hmm. I even my business cards I would not put designer on them. I I would put metalsmith. Yeah. And I did not consider myself an artist or a designer or, uh, at that time. I believe I was. Other people told me I was. But I was too... There was something in me that I wouldn't, I wouldn't embrace that. Yeah. And I was partly ashamed of it. Uh, there was something about it that felt almost unmasculine, especially when you grow up in a household of metalsmiths, right? Yeah, absolutely. People who... Yeah, I mean, we're strong. I mean... Metal These people can't see sounds, me, but I'm not a little guy, right? I mean, yeah. I'm... And metalsmith uh, sounds more... Yeah. Yeah. And so I didn't want to do that. It, this this felt feminine or something like that. And uh, and after that, I was like, screw this. I'm, you know... <laughs> I'm a designer. I, I'm a designer. I'm yeah. A, by saying it, I became it. 
Yeah. You know, they, I, I became it by by verbalizing it. I became that. So that's and so, what, what was the that. piece? The, uh, the it was first. a it was a green savorite garnet in eighteen karat eighteen karat yellow and platinum with a little channel. Eight. It was asymmetrical. Uh, asymmetry is tough because you have to do balance. You know. Yes. It, 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 Symmetry is, is symmetry, but asymmetry has to be asymmetry with balance. Absolutely. And uh, I won that year with that uh, with that piece. So this is a question that we ask anybody we interview. What is your first memory that you can remember of gemstones or jewelry? So if you think back, that one memory you have that just stuck with you, like, I like this. Uh, I like this stuff. That's easy for me. My father went to Australia when I was uh, very young. My parents were divorced when I fell out of the back of that truck. And my father came back from Australia because I was going to die. Right? Okay. They thought that for sure. And uh, he brought for me at that time a little box, black box that I still have, of sapphires and opals. That okay. He had from Australia. Th- from Australia that he had dug. And we have pictures of him in the outback, you know, uh-huh. the shirt off, thing, you know, yeah. uh, whatever. and, uh, and he gave those to me, uh, in the hospital, you know, I, I remember yeah. getting those in the hospital and I put them away. I've never used them. They're in the same box, the same order, the same thing. It's, it's one of these, you know, these it's little flip open kind of yeah. leather, leather covered snap down yeah. box, you know, and they're not particularly beautiful. Uh, but they're certainly what I remember my first memory of gemstones and, and, and this, and I, you know, I developed a, a love for those. They were, they were my most treasured possession. possession and I would take them and put them in a box and I would bury them and draw a treasure map to them. And when I was a kid, and How then, I would awesome go, is that? then I would go dig them up and then I'd follow yeah. the treasures. Yeah. And I'm, I remember losing the treasure map sometimes and I would have to go dig in the 12 places where I always buried them. <laughs> And find find them. Uh, Yeah, I I played with them all the time, and I carried them around with me often, you know. And and I've never not had them in my possession, no matter where I've lived or what I've done when I went to... They've never not been in my possession, wherever I'm at. That's crazy. Uh, So, favorite gemstone? Favorite gemstone? Yeah. Certainly sapphires. Corundum. Corundum is... For sure, for sure. Yeah, in in any particular color. Um, I love green. Yeah, I have a collection of greens that are uh, just amazing. I don't know why, but I just I love green in general. Uh, I have seventeen Spectrum Awards, and I believe that twelve of them are won with green stones. Really, green colored stones. Yeah, wow. some of them, some are tourmaline. Uh huh. Uh, you know, garnet, garnet sapphire. You know, thing, yeah, sapphire. things like that. So, so when uh, you sit down to design a piece. Um, one of your spectrum pieces. Where do you start the process? Where do you get your inspiration from? I have been asked that question. A I, mil- it's like a the worst question. <laughs> well, you know what? You're going to get the you're going to get the most truthful answer, and you're going to get the one that everybody <laughs> that that uh, that is true for yes. this, this answer that I'm going to give you is universally true. And I have made up a million sexy answers for that. <laughs> yeah, I dreamt it. Yeah, you, you know, it just a, came a girl's to me. eyes. Yes. Inspired, you know, all these yes. things. Great jewelry evolves. You start making something, you make it better, 
You make it, you, it uh, it's an evolution. Yeah. It doesn't pop into your head one day. Yep. You keep make, you make a piece, then you make it again better and different, and then you yep. make it again better and different, and then you make it again better and different, and you eventually get there to get there. Yeah. So it's not a ta-da moment. Yeah. It's a, it's a slow process that, and I believe all great designers do that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you start, do you normally start with the stone and say, hey, this is the stone I really want to make something for? Or do you have, is, does the metal come first for you and then you find the stone that'll fit in that mountain? Uh, well, the design comes first. For you. For me. Okay. And, and I, and I, but I won't build the, des- I'll find, the design will come to, you know, I'll be evolving the design and then I will find the stone and then I'll put the design, you know, put and the two together. And then you'll marry them together. Obviously. But, yeah. uh, yeah, I always, the design, for me, the Design is first. Metal mm-hmm. smithing and design is where it all starts. Because, for uh, because it's the other way around. Yeah. That's why I was curious. I, I, I would say more often for you, Breck. I start, start with the stone. Yeah, you start with the stone. Sure. Yeah. yeah so that's sure. what I thought with, as a metalsmith. Yeah. I kind of, it makes well, sense. The, the stone is only a part of the design. Yeah. Right. That's all it is for me. It's sure. just like, it's, yeah. it's just a, and it's not, and it's a small part. Yeah. Of the design for me. Yeah. I mean, I, well, the design yeah, from is your the, work, is the absolutely. Piece, yeah. you're, more, it's, uh, you're more into the metal. Yeah. Even though it, it'll be a it's significant piece. I mean, sure. it's, it, yeah. it'll be the centerpiece, but to me, it's, it's, that's a, that's a sm- much smaller it's just, it's part. just one element. Mm-hmm. And so. I think all, to go along with that question, I've been asked before, what makes, what makes a great designer? What, what, what do you think does this? You know, I think every great designer was told that they were terrible and worthless at this. And then they were also told that they were the second coming of Christ and they believed both. Yeah. You have to believe both. (laughs) Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Absolutely. You you can't believe you have greatness without failure. Oh, you need a chip on your shoulder. And then you need to nail it. You know what I yeah. mean? You, you, yeah. you need it. You need yes. to. You need to be. You need to have a. I'll show you attitude. I'm competitive. Very competitive. I do. I know. Not like losing. Hello, I'm Brecken. I am the same. I like winning. Yeah. But I hate losing. Yeah. I win because I hate losing, not because I like winning. Totally. So we have this, we do trade shows, right? And there's this cocktail, cocktail party at one of the shows where we have to design a showcase. Yes, I am. And I, like you, do not like to lose. But I also understand I can't win every time or it's not fun for everyone else involved. But we lost last time. And so now we we have, I have to redeem myself. Like, this is like in my veins right now. Mm -hmm. We will. No pressure. No pressure. pressure. Yeah, I've got Stephanie helping me. And I'm like, this will happen. (laughs) We will do this. So I get it. I get it totally. So where are you now? Your your custom designing. You have a store. Mm-hmm. What's the name? Where can people find you? William Travis Jewelry. My location is Chapel Hill, North Carolina. My stores. It's four thousand five hundred square feet, and uh, half half of that is devoted to shop and staff spacing. There's a place there called SAS, and there's a uh, which is ranked as one of the top places to work in the world. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And it's started by. It was it was started by Mr. Goodnight, the Goodnight family, Mr. Goodnight's sass, and he has been a mentor to me. I feel like one of the things that I learned or that came out of the head injury, all those things, is 
listening to people. Mm-hmm. I really want to listen. I will take advice from many. I mean, I won't always use that advice, sure. but I want, and I have to be good at that to do what I do. But I'm thirsty for knowledge. I want to listen. I want to hear. I want. I want to know what you know. Yeah. And uh, he's been a mentor to me, and he taught me that it wasn't. It's not enough to be a, a good boss. You have to actively seek their happiness. Yeah. Actively seek their happiness, and I thought that was brilliant. So I have a big bar in my shop. You know, nice. Twelve foot, nice rounded bar, uh, full stocked. I have a, a big kitchen area. My entire career, I ate at my bench. Yeah. And that's a terrible thing to do to somebody or at their desk. Yeah. I have a big, I have a full kitchen. Now, this is retail space. This costs me a lot of money to do this. Yes. Uh, But I devote all of this space and energy into designing their dream area. Yeah. And uh, because of that, I have, I have low turnover. Yeah. uh, With people, I mean, I do have, I've had people, I mean, there's always some. People's lives change. And there's some positions that are lower that where you know you're hiring them so that they can grow and you know they're going to grow out of that position. Yep. And you, so that's always going to turn yep. over yep. relatively quickly. But uh, important people stay with me for, you know, 10, 15 years. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's a, and, and I believe that's why. I mean, we really try to treat them. I really, I'm actively seeking their happiness. Yeah. You know, and that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Shows you care, not just about, you know, your bottom line at the end of the day. You you can't, you want to make people's lives better. That's right. Well, it does help the bottom line. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it, it does. certainly does. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm, get, I'm, get, I'm achieving both by well, doing this. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, what's next for you? Where Where is this journey going to take you next? Um, I do a line for the North Carolina Museum of Art. Uh-huh. When they were building our new Museum of Art, I went there. Uh, with one of my clients who was one of their big supporters, you know, uh-huh. gave, and uh, and I couldn't afford to do anything for them, so I said, you know, I'm going to do a, I'm going to, this is so inspirational. I'm, I want to do something for the North Carolina Museum of Art to raise my, you know, because I can't write them a big check. Yes. So uh, at that time, my daughter was capturing, was taking every beetle out of the pool, you know, out of my pool would take beetles, <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and play with it, loved them. You know, they were yeah. dead, but she'd be like, look how pretty this is, Dad. So I captured every uh, every scarab beetle in North Carolina from my from my pool. I just found out what all of them were, and I happened to catch them all. And I dried them out on my oven, and I uh, poured plaster around them, you know, cast, yes. you, you know, yeah. cast them, filled. I raised bees. I filled every little crevice with beeswax, and, uh, and I cast all of them the North Carolina scarab beetles in precious metal and set some stones in them and uh, donated them to the North Carolina Museum of Art. And I think there were, I think that there were 12 or uh-huh. something. And we, I think we raised 15, 20,000. Don't quote, but it, it was, it was a it's check that I couldn't write. Right? Absolutely. And, uh, and then what we found out when I was being interviewed for that was that uh, the scarab is the long, is the oldest piece of jewelry still in production. It was the one of the first ones made, With and it's still in production yeah. to this day. But in that time period, no one had ever used. They couldn't find anyone in, through history who had used the actual cast, ca- the actual bug as the mold. I reinvented the oldest piece of jewelry. Yeah. And now people are doing it all the time. Fish and beetles out of your swimming on, pool. I didn't do it on purpose, <laughs> but you know, uh, it's cool. my it's my daughter's job to get out there every morning yeah. and take 
there's a live toads and dead bugs and, uh, oh, uh, and, and frogs and sheep. Yeah. I live, uh, you know, we, we live a, a, out of town a little bit in the country. So uh, there's always tree frogs, toads and yeah. bugs in there. So every morning she goes out there and rescues. Yeah. Res- she, she calls it to- toad rescue. Toad so, yeah. rescue. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. Livy yeah, Livy would love Toad Rescue. Yeah. We so, have uh, three-year-old twins. Oh, wow! And so, Jeez, yeah. do I say congratulations? I don't yeah. know. Is that? Yes, yeah. it's yeah. busy. It's busy, but they're they're good girls. They're here. They're with Grandma back oh. at the hotel, and they're having a grand time. They went to the park today because it was finally nice outside, uh-huh. not freezing cold or raining. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, it it's fun. So, do your your kids well? Do they show any interest in what you do? They do. People say, oh, would you be, you're you're a fifth generation, and would you be disappointed if your children uh, didn't go into this? And and I say, of course I would. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I I mean, I'm not really even going to give them that choice. Yeah? I mean, I'm going to pretend that I'm giving them that choice, but I'm not (laughs) giving them that choice. I think, though, when you have passion for something, you share that. It bleeds because Jonathan had no intention, had no intention of joining the family biz. So. And it just kind of, he had to make that discovery on his own. But once he said, I love this, there was no turning back because his dad and his mom instilled the passion. Well, I think that's common. That's kind of yeah. a rebellious, I'm not going to do what you I'm do. I'm going mom into and computers, Dad. dad. Forget your gemstones. I tell them they can do anything. You, you can be a lawyer. We need lawyers at William Travis Jewel. You can be a cat, you know, whatever. You could be that. Yeah, if you want to be my doctor, you're going to be there. That's what you're going to do it, you know? Yeah. 13 and 8. Oh, how great. 13 year old son. So do you have him like sleeping up in the shop? Liam? I do. Well, I don't. They're too young. They're in there. Uh, they're too young to really. I want to be careful how I bring them in, uh-huh, what absolutely. I bring them in. Um, I want to. I want them to have fun with it. Yeah. And uh, you know, they know. They know what what daddy does. You yeah. Know, of course. But I want to be careful with that. And I think thirteen is. He's about. I think my son is about the the right age. I really think sixteen. Yeah. Is 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 a little better. And right yeah. now he's. You know, he wants to go ice skating and. Yeah. And yeah. you know and. Play he with only his wants to hear with you some of the time. Do, yeah. I think parents that push their kids too hard to start too young, that's when they rebel and don't mm-hmm. want to do it. Is It's like if you say, hey, you're going to start sitting on the bench. That's it's right. Like, it's like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you wait till they, they yeah. show a little spark of interest and then, and then, you, you, and then you encourage yeah. it. And yeah. I think that's the way to yeah, do it. Yeah, absolutely. So. And I never showed any interest, and so my dad never encouraged. Mm-hmm. So I just. <laughs> Well, no, I don't think that's true. He worked, yeah, in, yeah, in worked, computers. I worked in the company on computers, so he took what I was interested in and let me work in the family business. Mm-hmm. But he never pushed me towards what he really did in the business. No. Mm-hmm. So, oh, like you said, he didn't care where I ended up. And he didn't, he had, I didn't really ask him that in, in, in his interview. If yeah, we didn't he ever thought that. I was going to join the business. And if he, wanted, if he knew. He always said that we could do whatever we wanted, but he never... You always Just say like that, right? My that. parents said that to me, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then it was your grandma. Yeah, my yeah, grandma my pushed grandma me. Grandma did not want you to do anything you wanted. No, but she liked Jonathan, and she likes jewelry, so it was, was a nice combo. Now she's, now, now she's impressed. Yeah, grandma. she is. I have this philosophy in my business uh, that I never say I never say no. I always say yes. Yes mm-hmm. is the answer. Yes is the answer. And uh, I think that that's a popular thing now. Recently, I even think that I saw I've been doing it my entire career ever since I had got breast cancer. 
that's what that's was that went yeah. along with that. So I just and I think it's a valuable lesson, you know, not maybe or what would that look like? You just say yes, because you can always say no later. Yeah. You know, but but your Let's first explore. answer, keep it going, get get it, get it going. And uh, from that, many so many opportunities have popped up in my life. Uh, and I, I think I, I think that you could call it luck, but it's making your own luck. Yeah. I had a, 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 a gentleman come in my store one day and uh, sit down at, at the at a table. Uh, I have many stories like this, but this one in per- this is particularly good. But yeah. I have a bunch. Of, we could do a whole podcast on that. This yeah. story. <laughs> uh, but he sat down and he put his feet up, up on my design table. He, his wife came in one day, looked at the jewelry. She said, "Oh my god, I love this. We travel all over the world. I've never seen anything like your stuff. You, you're here in Chapel Hill. We're big boosters at Chapel Hill. We're you know we we own a." apartment here that so we can just come in for games uh, my husband's coming i'm going to bring him in, in tomorrow so she did people say that all the time and they never do but <laughs> she did and uh and he came in and he put his feet up on my design desk which annoyed me immediately yes. you know oh, and wow. he, then he got his phone out and he was just on his phone and uh if you can't tell by now i'm excitable right about my <laughs> stuff you know I, 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 uh, and so yeah so she starts looking around and she's just picking out. She's she has seen a lot of joy. She's nailing it. She's gra- the my best pieces and bringing them over to him. And he would look up from his phone for a split second, nod yes, and then go right back to it. And then she would put it over there in the pile. And they ended up buying a lot of stuff. I mean, it was a huge purchase. Yeah, thirty fifty thousand dollars. I don't know. It was all. It was a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, and as I'm ringing him up, I just couldn't hold it in any longer i was just because this was bothering me the whole time right but i was wanting to make you know i'm yeah. smiling with her you know, yeah, doing absolutely. This. but i just couldn't do it and i knew and i'm looking at that pile of jewelry and i'm thinking oh my god i'm gonna screw this sale up but i said i said excuse me excuse me sir what you know what was what was your what was your name again rusty was that rusty and and he turned to me and i said you know you're not just getting anything here this, these pieces are handmade. I'm a fifth-generation metalsmith. You're getting the highest quality jewelry in the world, I believe. And you're getting great design. And I can prove it because most of these pieces are all award-winning pieces. And these are just, you know, you're really getting great stuff here. This is just, this is not nothing. And he had his phone, you know, and he tripped the way and he looked at me. You could tell it shocked him, right? And he said, what came out of his mouth that just surprised me because he, the only thing he says, he said, I, he said, I just bought a, a place in Costa Rica, a resort in Costa Rica. How would you like to design a line of jewelry for me? And I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. And then he just went, went right back to his phone. <laughs> what? Just yeah, like, that's just all like he that. said. That's all he said. You know, and when, and when he looked at me, I thought he was going to say, well, the, you know, don't you know? speak to... I, he had an ego, obviously. He wouldn't be sure, doing... You know, but that's all he said. Yeah. And, I, and, I just, and I didn't say maybe. I didn't say what would that look like. I uh-huh. said Yes. Yeah. And uh, and his people a week later called and uh, flew my wife and I, uh, you know, private jet out to Costa Rica, a place called Flor Blanca. Uh-huh. It's 13 little villas on the Coya Peninsula. It's uh, in all the guidebooks. It's listed as the most luxurious resort in all of Costa Rica. We did that deal on a handshake. I've been doing it for eight years, 10 years now with him. Wow. And uh, and we did it on a handshake. Never signed a contract. Nothing. He pays for all the materials. I build all the jewelry. We send it down there, and we split the profit. And it's just that easy. 
and that's all there is to it. Yeah. I make whatever because I want. Because he said yes. He said because I said yes. Yeah. And uh, does he and into your shop? oh yeah, he comes in all the time. Does he put his feet up on the desk? Sometimes. <laughs> but I, so I, I don't really mind it. Yeah, you don't mind. I wouldn't mind either. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, he sets at the bar now. You know, yeah, he sets yeah, yeah. at the bar to be quite honest. That's so, great. Yeah. So, that's a great story. Yeah. That's a good yeah. story. Travis, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Um, incredible to see the transformation that your life took from, from one single traumatic episode and incident and how you've kind of taken what could what some could see as a disadvantage and created something beautiful with it and that you get to share that with everyone now. Well, thank you. I, uh, I, I appreciate uh, you allowing me to share it. Yeah, and as I get misty-eyed again, yeah. oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, but I'm, I'm... This is the tearjerker yeah, episode. I, I'm inspired by you and what you do, and I, I wish you nothing but the best, oh, and 17 you. more Spectrum Awards, I hope, and um, we'll definitely keep in touch and, and keep up with you and, and, and watch what you do. Thank you. I would love to... Uh, do this again sometime. Wonderful. Great. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Gem Junkies. I'm Brecken. And And if you want to see what we do in our real life, you can always follow us at Parlay Gems on Instagram or Facebook. We'll talk to you another time. Bye. Bye.